Well, I told you I was going to speak about new this morning. Normally on Communion Sunday we'll have a little communion message, and then we'll have communion, and then we'll have a, a message. But today we're just going to have a message. <laughs> and during that message I'm going to stop, and we're going to have communion, and then we'll continue that message. But that message is about new and new year. And, you know, I think one of the uh, first times that we really, in the New Testament, hear Jesus talking about uh, new and needing to be new is in this conversation he has with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, a, uh, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee, uh, comes to Jesus by night, uh, basically with questions. And Jesus basically says, you know, the question is about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know, you would have to be born again. Or in other words, you'd have to be made new. You'd have to be something that you're not. You'd have to become new. And Nicodemus kind of scratched his head and he said, well, what do you mean? Do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, well, not exactly, but flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit and you'd need to be born again spiritually so this morning as we we talk about this new year I want us to remember why it was so important that we be reborn spiritually I want to look at the big picture of the gospel I want us to talk about what it cost for you and I to be born again and then after we celebrate the fact that we have been born again I want us to talk about why we have been born again why we have become new and what we should do in this new year with the life that God has given to each of us to share okay the simple gospel or the need of the gospel is this that all of us came into this world in the image of God we could think we could build we could create but we came into this world in the likeness of Adam we inherited Adam's very nature it's called sin a sin nature a nature that has no appetite for God an a nature that is will lie and a nature that is only concerned about oneself. And that's the nature we came into this world with. And that nature doesn't work very well, does it? Okay, and not only that, God hates sin. So sin basically separated us from having the life God wanted you and I to have. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Well, we say, well, if he loves sinners and hates sin, can't he just embrace us and, and love us anyway? But no, the problem is this, is that it's like I have a glove on each hand, and they're white. But I take one glove and reach into a fireplace and move the logs. What do I get on my hand? I get a bunch of black soot. Okay, so all of us had soot on our hands. Even though God loved us, we had soot on our hands. So he wants to embrace us. He wants to love us, but he can't because if he does, then he'll get soot on his hands. So 
he was in quite a dilemma. Even though he loved you, even though he loved me, he could not embrace you, he could not embrace me because of the sin that we actually came to this world with in our heart. So he provided a means to do this. And this was in sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And through the blood and sacrifice of Christ, he washed this soot off our hands. And now he's able to embrace us. So all of us who have accepted that sacrifice have been washed through the blood of Jesus, and God has embraced us, put his spirit in us, made us a new creations. We were born again. Now, that's very good news. But I want us to appreciate how good a news that is. Because actually, we had nothing to do with this. We're told that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, can you imagine a dead man laying on the front row here? Can he or she respond to me in any way? No. There's no way a dead person can respond to anything unless they are quickened and made alive. So each of us were dead in our trespasses and sin, and God in his mercy chose you, touched Dorothea, and spiritually she kind of came alive, and then he shared the gospel with her that she had maybe heard many times before, but this time she could really hear it. And that same gospel which she heard before, now that she can only hear it, now that she can really hear it, she actually has a desire for it, but she can't accept it. And then he gives her, through his grace and love, faith to accept that which he just allowed her to understand and hear for the first time. We're saved by grace through faith, and that faith didn't even come from ourselves. It was a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We who have been saved are basically victims of his grace, glorious victims of his grace. Why he chose you, why he chose me, it's not based on works. He, chose, he chooses to have mercy on who he chooses to have mercy, and he chose to have mercy on us. So that is something... The amplified picture as we sit here this morning, it's by grace that we have a relationship with him. And it's by grace that we have been saved. And, and what was the price of that grace? What was the price of that grace? The price of that grace was it starts off, we can see it in John 12. Jesus is talking to, he's with his disciples, a, a couple uh, men come up and want to talk to Jesus. They go find Jesus, and Jesus, you know how Jesus answers questions with an answer that has nothing to do with what you just asked him. And he said, you know, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And then it's like all of a sudden he, he starts thinking about what he just said, and he says, now my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour, because he's thinking about him being that grain of wheat that's going to go into the ground. He's saying, Father, what should I say? Save me from this hour? It's like he rehearses the truth over to himself. He says, no, no, no. For this cause, I came to this hour. Father, glorify yourself. 
But just two days later, we find our Savior, our Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. At that day, at that time, in his humanity, his theology and his emotions are on two different pages. At that moment, his will and his Father's will are on two different pages. And what is he doing? He's doing exactly the same the thing that he said in John 12, that he rehearsed the truth. No, for this cause I came to this hour. In Gethsemane, Jesus had not forgotten his mission. He knew his mission. But as a man, he was tempted. And I think this is very important to understand. You know, we're told that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But you see, Jesus being tempted here, even though he was God, when he came to earth, he clearly set his deity aside. His every test was to call upon his deity, and he lived as nothing more than a man on this earth. And in Gethsemane, he was tempted as a man to disobey the will of his heavenly Father. And he pleaded three times that this cup would pass from him. Three times. And each time the Father looked at the Son, he looked into eternity future. He saw us sitting here this morning getting ready to take this communion. He saw Joanne. He saw John. He looked back at Jesus. He said, no. That's how much God loved each of us in this room. For God so loved the world that he said no to his son three times. Three times. As the father loved the son, the father has loved each of us. He loved you and I so much that he said no to the son three times. That we might have life. And that, brothers and sisters, is what we celebrate this morning. Now, Josh has a slide here. I don't know if it's going to pop up. But Jesus' very point of this meal is remember me. He wants us to remember him today. He wants us to remember that he pleaded three times not to go to hell. But after the third time he pled, and basically Father's answer was no, Jesus, who said of himself, my meat is to do the will of my Father, he bowed the head and said, nevertheless, Father, not my but thy will be done. And Jesus was able to withstand temptation because of his dependence upon the Holy Spirit, not because of his deity, but because of his dependence upon the deity of the Holy Spirit as he abided in that relationship with his Father. And then without reservation, Christ in this position throws himself into hell 
he who knew no sin became sin. And then all of God's wrath against sin was laid upon him. The cross was only the thing, that's all that the Romans could do. What happened to his soul, what happened, what he experienced on that cross is what God could do to sin. He made his own son who was, who was sinless to become sin and then poured out all his wrath and rage against sin upon his son and his spirit. And then as we start this new year, what is Christ saying to us? He says, well, as I cast myself without reservation into hell to pay for your sins, to purchase you, that you could be adopted and be my brother and my sister, with that same lack of, lack of reservation, would you cast yourselves into my arms that are nothing but love and nothing but grace? Would you just give my, yourself to me as I gave myself for you? Can you do that? Can you do that this new year? Okay, we can continue to talk about new. We have a new life in Christ. We're told in the scripture that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 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 And we're told that the new man is made in the likeness of God in righteousness, which is the sum of all that is good, and in holiness, which is the absence of all that's evil. Now that is really good news. We have been recreated. We are new. And as we start this new year, I want us to live as new men and women should live because it was at a great price that we were made anew. Now just last week Ben shared with us about New Year's resolutions and he gave us some great ideas. We can resolve, I can resolve to eat less, I can resolve to eat more healthy, I can resolve to work out. I can resolve to be a better listener to my wife. I can, be, I can resolve to be more attentive to my children. I can resolve to work less, work more, sleep less, <laughs> sleep more. There's all things that we might resolve to do in the new year, and that's oftentimes what we do in a new year. We make New Year's resolutions. But the idea is that it's I plan to eat more, I plan to eat less, I plan to do more, I plan to do less, I, I, I. And that's where the problem begins, is because you and I cannot keep the resolves that we would like to have. So I'd like us to think about our brother Paul who speaks to us in Romans chapter 7. He says, I don't understand myself. 
Because the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I do. He says, I don't understand myself. Has, have, have any of you ever experienced any such a phenomena in your life? That the good you wanted to do, you find yourself not doing? And those things that you don't want to do, you find yourself doing? Paul says, you know, I, I, in my mind, I want to serve the law of God. But in the flesh, the law of sin. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wrestling with this. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I really don't understand this completely. And then it's almost in desperation. He says, well, who will save me? Who will save me from this, this dilemma? That every day I find myself doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I want to do. He says, if I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do, he says, it proves it's not me, it's sin that dwells in me. It's not me, but it's sin that dwells in me. I'm doing something I don't want to do. It's sin that dwells in me. And Paul makes a clear distinction here. It's not me. It's not my new created man. My new created man hates my sin. The fact that that I no longer can enjoy my sin proves that I've been reborn. Proves it. The most unhappy people in the world are not sons of Adam. Because sons of Adam live according to their nature every day. The most unhappy people of the world are Christians who sin. Because sin is absolutely contrary to our newly created nature. So what does Paul say? He says, he ends Romans 7 with, well, who will save me from this dilemma? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. I'll be saved. And then Romans 8 opens up with, hey, good news. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Who walk after, who do not walk after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit, who do not abide in the flesh, but abide in the Spirit. Okay, brothers and sisters, how are we going to get victory in this new year? How is this going to work? How does our, are we going to have our new man freed from this law of sin and death? Well, what Paul shows us is that you and I do not have the ability in and of ourselves to overcome the law of sin and death. A physical man cannot overcome a physical law. I can only jump two feet. This brother over here can probably jump eight feet. Somebody with the pole might jump 22 feet. But gravity is always going to take us down. Man cannot overcome a spiritual law. But if I get into an airplane, all of a sudden there's a new law, another physical law, the law of aerodynamics that completely nullifies the law of gravity. And I'm sitting in that airplane, I'm flying, and I'm not sitting, I'm overcoming gravity, I'm overcoming gravity, I'm overcoming gravity. I'm saying, wow, this is nice. When are they going to bring out the food and the drinks? You know, this is a fun deal here. 
Now, if I start thinking that I can fly and walk over to the door and step out, then the law of gravity will take me down. But as long as I stay in that airplane, the law of aerodynamics frees me from the law of gravity. And this is what Paul is teaching. He's also saying that spiritually it's true too. A, a law can only be broken by another law. A physical law can only be broken by a physical law. A spiritual law can only be broken by a spiritual law. And the law of sin and death is what you and I live in this world with. Because we're born again, we are connected to another world, the heavenly realm. But because we're physical, we're also connected to the physical world. And what he's saying is if we will set our minds on the spiritual, if we will abide in the spiritual, then this law of sin and death is eradicated. It says, who do not walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. For the law of the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. So how do we get into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? If you set your mind, Paul tells us in Romans 8, if we set our mind on the flesh, we're captivated by the flesh. If we set our mind on the flesh, we become enemies of God because God has a purpose for each of us as believers in 2019. But if we set our mind on the Spirit and the things of the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And how do we walk in the Spirit? How does that happen? Well, the first re resolution we need to understand is that nobody in this room is God. No one in this room is omnipotent. No one in this room is omniscient. No one in this room is everywhere. No one in this room understands everything. No one in this room is really capable of leading the universe. No one in this room is all-powerful or all-loving or all-capable. So why would we want to start this new year trusting in ourselves when God, who is all-capable, all-loving, all-knowing, whatever, wants to be the head of each of you and I? Who do you want to trust? We talk a lot about abiding. Do we want to abide in 2019 in our own sovereign ability to control all the circumstances in our life and around us? Do we want in 2019 to listen to our wives as they need to be listened to, love our children, attend to them as they need to, work as we're supposed to? How did that work for you in 2018? We can't. We can't. Only the Spirit, only the Spirit that delivered Christ in Gethsemane in his temptation, only the Spirit 
can live the life of God through you and through me. Only the Spirit can love your wife as Christ loved the church. Only your Spirit can parent your children as they need, as a Heavenly Father would parent His child. Only the Spirit can forgive your enemies. Only the Spirit can love your enemies. Only the Spirit can bring the life of Christ into your life and into my life. Only the Spirit. And what each of us need in 2019, because we've been given new hardware, we've been recreated in the image, in the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness. We've been given all the hardware. We just need to plug in to the right place. We either plug into Jesus or we plug into the world. There's only, there's only two sources of energy, the world or Christ. And as believers, we have the outlet to plug ourselves into Christ. And what happens when we plug ourselves into Christ? Christ plugs himself into us. And he doesn't need our ability, but he wants our availability. He doesn't need us coming to him, telling him what we can do for him. <laughs> he, he wants us to come to us saying, Jesus, I can't live without you. Jesus, I understand that you are the vine and I am a branch. And as a branch cannot live apart from the vine, I will wither apart from you. Is a branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, I will, there will be no fruit in my life except the fruit of the flesh unless I abide in you. Jesus, I want to abide in you this year. I need you to live your life through me. You've, you've recreated me. I'm a vessel. I'm a branch. I'm attached. But I need you to flow that life through me this year. What do you think Jesus is going to say to that? Oh, I can't believe you asked that. He'll say, well, well, well. You now understand that I gave myself for you so I could give myself to you so I could live my life through you. Jesus wants to live his life through each of us this new year. And what does that life look like? I can't tell you where it'll take you. But I can tell you, it'll be the most romantic thing you ever experienced in your life. Because, you know, it's, it's very interesting when the few people came and said, Jesus, can, can we follow you? He said, yeah, you can. But he said, I want you to understand the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> well, that didn't mean he wasn't provided for. All that Jesus says is, I can't tell you what tomorrow looks like. But you can be there with me. You can be there with me. So he's not going to make any of us any promises of what 2019 is going to look like. We're not going to know if, if Cam and his family are going to get to stay here and do a trial or they're going to go back to the States. We don't know if, if the Lord's going to raise up somebody to take Cam's place or we're going to volunteer. We, we have no idea what 2019 looks like. We don't know if we're going to go to the doctor and get a checkup next week and the guy says, you know, you know, you know you have cancer. 
We have no idea what 2019 looks like. But he says, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. And what everyone who is associated with you and I need is you and I living to our full potential. And our full potential is that we are vessels in which the living God resides. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to have complete and total reign in your life and in my life. So, I was talking to a brother on the phone on um, last Tuesday night. And he was telling me in the church service that they had done a little kind of exercise. And it was just to kind of remind people um, of the truth of who we are in Christ and what our mission is. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to see if we can have that little exercise here this morning. It's a short exercise. You can do it in about uh, less than a minute. And if you do and I do that exercise every day, it's kind of like this. It's, it's, It's a remembrance of who we are and what our potential is. God has a plan for each of us. His first plan is for that person who's closest to you. If it's your wife, your husband, or your children, or your brother or sister. And then the second plan just goes out. And ultimately, the plan ends up with those people who you work with, who we see, who will never go to a church, who will never read a Bible. He's got a plan for them too. Because there's some of those people who he is going to show mercy to, but he wants to show mercy to them through you and through me. There's some people who who will never come to a church, who will never open the Bible, that he wants to show his love to, and he's going to show his love to them through you or through me. There's some people who will never come to a church to read the Bible, who he wants to show his concern, his care, his patience, and they'll never see it except through you and through me. Basically, brothers and sisters, you and I are called in 2019 to be his book, his gospel, that everybody who meets us, meets him, sees him, experiences him. Okay, so here's the drill. The the drill is that hands up like this. Now, when do you put your hands up? When I was a little boy, we played cowboys and Indians. And when you get arrested, somebody comes to the gun and they say, hands up. So basically, hands up means surrender, surrender, surrender. So, you know, I know this is a little com- uncomfortable, but I don't, you don't need to put your hands up real high, but you can put your hands up like this. <laughs> but I, I want everybody just to kind of put their hands up, hands up. And uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we confess that uh, we're not capable of being Lord of our lives. We're not capable of being kings and queens. Uh, we don't have the answers to all the questions. We can't uh, uh, love our wives, our children, our brothers, our neighbors. We can't forgive. We, uh, uh, we can't do any of the things that uh, you can do and that you want to do. So uh, we surrender. We surrender the lordship of our lives. We surrender the... Uh, the throne of our life to you we just surrender to you and uh, 
and to all that you want to do with us in 2019. Okay, that's the first position. Now put your hands down. Now the second position is I want you to put your hands out like this. Put your hands out like this. Okay. Lord Jesus, we receive your life. We receive your love. We receive your joy. We receive your peace. We receive your patience. We receive your kindness. We receive your mercy. We receive your self-control. We receive those, Father. Your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness and goodness, your faithfulness, your meekness, your self-control. Lord Jesus, we receive those. We receive those. Now, just turn your hands over. Turn your hands over like this. Now, Lord Jesus, we give those things you just gave us. We give your love, your joy. And stop here for a minute and think of who you know that needs to receive these things. We give your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your meekness, your self-control. We give those. We give these, Jesus. To those who you put in our lives. Okay. So every day, wake up, I surrender. I surrender the Lordship of my life. I, I surrender to you. I receive Jesus. I receive your life. I receive it. I receive your spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness your meekness, your self-control. And Lord Jesus, give it through me to all those people that I will meet and see this week, those in my family, those at the office, those at the school. And that, brothers and sisters, is new. And that is what he wants for you and I in 2017, to be the vehicles, the vessels through which he pours his life through us into a dark and fallen world. That is our purpose this year. He came to get sinners out of hell into heaven, but he also came to bring heaven down to earth. And the way he brings heaven down to earth is through you and through me, is we are receiving his life and then letting his life flow out through us onto those who are around us. Okay, let's, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, for making us new. And Father, thank you for making us vessels that, that can plug into you and can receive your life and that are designed and made and built to receive your very life. Thank you that you have called us to be branches through which your life flows, flows into this world. Thank you that you have positioned us in this city, in this church, in a school, in a business, wherever you have strategically placed us where you want to express your life through us before those who may never come to church, who may never read the Bible, but they, you want them to experience you through us. So, Father, thank you for this wonderful call you've given us in 2019 to be your sons and your daughters, the very expression of your life and your nature to whoever you would surround us with. And, Father, we do pray this new year, 
that you truly would give us the grace to every morning to remember, to surrender completely to your kingship, to your lordship, to your life. And to each day remember to receive your life. You've promised it. You give it to us. And then, Father, to release that life that you've given us to those around us. So we make this prayer in the name of your precious son. And we do remember you, Jesus. We do remember you. Thank you that you have remembered us. And thank you that you want to live your life through us. In your name we pray. Amen.